Hey, good morning, Victory Church. How we doing? Happy July. Anybody wondering where June went? Am I the only one? It just seems like everything's flying by. Listen, it's always an honor and a privilege to be here. I I will never, ever stand up here and not acknowledge my pastor, uh, a mentor, a great voice in my life. And uh, wow, how incredible is it that uh, he and Sharon are celebrating 50 years of marriage, 50 years of ministry. Would you do me a favor? Would you put your hands together? I'm sure he's watching. Man, pastor, we love you. We hope you guys are having a wonderful time. Man, I love this church. I love this place. I'll never forget uh, when I kicked the front door open and the summer sun hit me in the face. I was probably six, no older than seven, when I declared my independence. See, the situation was mom and dad were working. I was left at home with my sister who was five and a half years older than I am. And you may have experienced this in your own sibling uh, life, but uh, she would tell me what to do. I would look back at her and say, you're not the boss of me, right? You've heard this phrase before. And apparently on this given day, it had reached the pinnacle, the apex of what I could tolerate. And uh, with a pillow under one arm and a bag probably filled with toys or something else meaningless, I pushed open the front door and walked down the steps on a summer afternoon and took off across the front yard declaring my independence The oppression was more than I could bear. I'm running away from home, right? I don't know if you've ever experienced this or had anybody do this, but uh, things were going great for me as I made my way across the well-manicured front yard, put my foot on the sidewalk there at Frederick Street in Cumberland, Maryland, and uh, I remembered this distinct feeling hitting me about 15 yards away from the, uh, the edge of my yard was this panic. And all of a sudden, the heat from the summer day hit me, and cars were passing, and I looked up, and I realized I I don't have anywhere to go. Uh, It's hot, and I'm kind of hungry, and I know mom's got bologna in the refrigerator, and maybe this isn't as bad as I thought it was. And with suitcase and pillow in tow, my runaway season lasted, I think, I'm guessing, about two and a half minutes, right? I took off and realized that I didn't have a plan. Things weren't as bad as I thought they were. But what's crazy, at 46 years old, that same little kid still lives in me. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but maybe you've, sometimes when I'm faced with things, problems that are outside of my control, things that I can't figure out easily the solution for, have you ever just wanted to throw your hands up and run away and go, you know, we'll just let this problem solve itself and I'll come back in a couple of weeks and we'll manage there? How many of you know it's probably not the best way to handle your issues? Right? We used to have some friends that wouldn't open the bills when they came to the mailbox thinking somehow they'd magically go away. <laughs> they did. The collector showed up at their house. Right? We're like, no, you, you, you got to open the mail even if it's bad. And so today on, the, on the, uh, the precipice of our Independence Day, I wanted to take a few minutes and kind of dive into kind of as Christ followers, we don't necessarily celebrate our independence. We actually celebrate our dependence upon God for everything that we have. When we look at our freedom, it's not anything that we've won for ourselves. It's not anything that we've earned. The Bible says that it's actually a gift from God. And so what I wanted to do today is kind of talk a little bit about the idea and the concept of freedom. You know, the New Testament is absolutely filled with references to it, right? It was for freedom that Christ set us free, right? right? He who the Son sets free is Right? Oh, the first service was way more quick on their Bible. All right. I see where the small groups are coming in. We're going to have to work on this. Right? Hey, the Bible says this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 
There's liberty. There's freedom. There's this concept that God has come to set us free. And so I believe there are two types of people in the room today. I believe there are those of us who have experienced the saving work of Jesus Christ and that we, we work and live each and every day trying to walk out that freedom. And I believe there are also some, probably some people in here who aren't serving God. Maybe you've never made the commitment and said, man, I, I, I want to know what it's like to follow God. You know, the Bible says it pretty clear. Taste and see that God is good. He's not afraid of a test drive. Leaning into God and saying, Lord, I'm not sure, but I believe you are who you say you are. I want to follow you. And I'm going to tell you right now, the greatest decision that I've ever made in my life was the decision to give my whole heart, my whole life, my finances, my marriage, my relationships to the person and work of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I'm yours. Do what you want. But this idea of freedom, of being set free, how many of you remember when you came to faith in Jesus? You remember the moment? You remember the emotions? When you look back and you think that that moment when you realized that the maker of heaven and earth gave his life for you and saw such great value in you that you, many of us, probably had tears streaming down our face saying, God, I will follow you. God, I will go. Lord, I never knew I could feel like this. A few years ago, I was in uh, Cannon Beach, Oregon, working on my, my, my doctorate at George Fox University. And I was processing through my faith with one of my professors, and he wrecked my world. And uh, I, I think I'm just going to go ahead and wreck yours too, and we'll just share the love, right? Sounds like a fun way to start the service. I was talking about this idea of freedom and consistency and, and following Jesus and how many times that I had just disappointed myself and not being faithful and not... And he goes, oh. He goes, no, don't you understand that... that as followers of Christ, you're in and out of sanity? I said, no, I don't. <laughs> I've actually never heard anybody say it, and it kind of feels a little harsh. Uh, you want to unpack that a little bit? He goes, all right, true or false? You are your own God, can make up your own rules. You have the power to save other people. You can protect yourself from any enemy, and you can heal yourself when you need it. I said, no, that's crazy. He goes, insanity. He goes, what you really know is that every good and perfect gift comes from God, and that you rely on him for everything that you have. I'm like, yes. He goes, and yet you know the distinction. How many times in your life, Chris, have you made the decision to be your own God, to make your own rules, to try to solve the problems yourself and do life as you see fit, not as the Bible plans? And I said, well, who asked you anyway? Mind your own business. And then I begin to realize that there's this ebb and flow, there's this rhythm of following God. And, and, and today, for the sake of today's message, I want to put it to you in this very simple idea. Freedom is not a moment that we experience. It's a lifestyle we learn to live. All right, I'm going to say this to you again. Freedom is not a moment that we experience. And, and, and hey, I guarantee you if we said uh, stand in this place, if God sets you free the moment you came to faith, people would stand all across this, this auditorium. I've heard some incredible stories of how when people said, you know what, God, I'll follow you. They were healed. Addictions were broken. I mean, it's literally what we see. Chains fall off, right? But we also know that, that my life is not just that one moment. It's the interactions that I have with my family. It's, it's how I handle the concerns and cares of the workplace and my finances and the relationships that go wrong. When things aren't going well, is it possible for me to walk in freedom? And my answer to you today is yes. Freedom is not a situational moment. 
Friedel is not a situational reality. It is an eternal principle that the Bible says, he who the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Not free indeed depending on the balance of your checkbook. Not free indeed based on the nature of your marriage. You are free. But this is what I learned from my professor, and this is what I want to unpack with you today, is that freedom is not a moment, just a moment to be experienced. It's a lifestyle that I have to learn how to walk in. And that's what I love about Scripture, is that it's so practical. And I hear people talk about the Bible a lot, and it's theory, and it's this, and it's that. And I'm going, no, this is practical. The first question I want to ask is, what did the original author mean? The second question I want to ask is, what does it mean to me? Can I live this out? How do I live this out? What do I need to do to make sure that I'm walking in the freedom that Christ has promised me? And so today, we're going to go old school. We're going to Psalm 118. And I want you to listen to the voice of freedom. Now, it's not Lee Greenwood singing, I'm proud to be an American. It's a psalmist that wrote a very unique psalm. In fact, the scholars, they they can't really tell. They don't know who wrote it. It's not attributed to David or or somebody else. But they do know that this psalm is used in the Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, it was uh, originally created uh, kind of when Israel came out of exile. And the the situation that this psalm would have been used would have been on a pilgrimage where people were making their way to Jerusalem and possibly a king or someone else was leading kind of this responsive reading back and forth. And and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you the gist. It it can be broken up into two parts. The first part of the psalm is kind of this back and forth. The second part of the psalm, well, it's kind of this liturgy. And the tone changes, and it starts talking directly to God. We're going to look in the first 14 verses, right? And what we're going to do is we're going to unpack in here, and I'm going to go ahead and set you up for what I want you to listen for. I want you to listen for the voice of freedom. The topic of this psalm is very simple and very basic. It's a call to give thanksgiving for God and his salvation power. But in this psalm lies the voice of freedom that lays out what I believe are five simple things, practical things that you and I can grab a hold of to learn how to walk in our freedom. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand but I talk to students all the time at the university and friends, and I've, I've experienced this in my own life. There have been seasons where I feel like my faith is up and down. Like I feel like I'm doing good, and then I hit hard times, and then I try to solve the problem on my own. I try to figure it out, and I don't go to God. And so my heart is this, that the two different types of people sitting in this room. For the Christ follower, I pray that, I, that the scripture unfolds and gives you a process to learn how to cultivate freedom in your life. And for the other... If you haven't experienced and tasted the freedom of God, I pray at the end of this service that God would get a hold of your heart, that you would come to faith in Jesus, and you would experience the joy that we have experienced. Everybody say what? Amen. Hey, let's take a look. The voice of freedom, Psalm 18. We're going to go with verse 1. I want you to read verse 1 with me. We're going to repeat it a couple times, and then I'll read the remaining by myself to you or over you. But let's take a look. Psalm uh, 118.1. Read this with me. You ready? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let's read it again. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Now listen to this. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. 
But the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. Verse 5, in my anguish, I cried to the Lord, and he answered me by setting me free. One translation says setting me in a spacious place. Verse 6, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but they died out as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. I want to read verse 17. It's not on the, on the screens for you, but I, I added this last minute. And it was so powerful, and we actually sang these lyrics in the first service. But Psalm 118, 17 says this, I will not die, but live, and will proclaim what the Lord has done. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power that we find in your word, Lord. And I ask today that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Lord, eyes to see what needs to be changed. And Lord, the courage to take the first step in becoming who you've called us to be. And everybody said, Amen. freedom's not a moment to be experienced. It's a way of life that we learn how to live. So the five marks of this voice of freedom that I want to unfold to you begins with verse one. The first kind of element of this voice of freedom is that it's always marked with gratitude. Give thanks to the Lord for he is what? good. His love endures forever. If you are going to learn how to live and walk in the freedom that God has said for us, you're going to have to learn and cultivate gratitude in your life. Regardless of your situation, regardless of your circumstance, we as Christ followers which should be known as people who know how to give thanks and praise to God for the good things that he's given us. You say, but oh, you don't understand what season of life I'm in. I know it makes no sense whatsoever when despair is all around you and relationships are crumbling for you with a broken heart to lean into God and go, God, thank you. I don't know why this is happening, but I know you're going to see me through. And God, I'm so grateful for the good things that you've put in my life. I may not be able to feel them. I may not be able to experience them, but I say thank you. I mean, the power of gratitude, you say, well, how does that help me to live free as a follower of Christ? It's pretty simple. That without gratitude, without this capacity that we build in to say thank you, gratitude points us to the goodness of God. Gratitude points us to the grace of God. Amen. With an absence of gratitude, who do you think we point to? Ourselves. Look what I have created. Look what I have done. Man, I'm surrounded by some of the brightest young people that I've ever met in my life. Got some living in my family. They're my kids. They blow me away with their capacity. And my greatest fear is that they think they'll get by on their looks and their talent and their ability, and they'll fail to lean in and go, God, I can't do life without you. I have to have you. 
Doesn't matter how brilliant you are. Doesn't matter how talented you may be. If you don't understand that every good gift came from God, you will not walk in freedom. You'll be a slave to your own ego. Man, I, I watch it all the time. And I go in and out of sanity. There are times that I'll, that I'll be a part of great things and I'll catch myself. Sometimes I don't, my wife catches me. Thank God for godly wives. And she'll go, hey, that's really not you. Relax, don't take credit for that. That's the Lord. That's the Lord. How quick are we to grab credit for what he himself did? Or we call it, well, I'm just lucky. No, I'm not. I'm blessed. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords is guiding my steps and directing me and blessing me beyond anything I could ever ask or imagine. You've heard me tell this story of my been now at Southeastern University for almost eight years and working with Dr. Engel has been one of the greatest privileges of my life. And I can still remember to this day what table we were sitting at in Mitchell's Coffee House in downtown Lakeland. He had heard about me. He was new to Southeastern and and uh, I had heard about him, and, and so he wanted to, to meet me, and it was kind of a job interview. I could feel it. And so we got to one portion, and I asked him, and I said, uh, Dr. Engel, what are, the, uh, what are the attributes of your team that when you see it, it puts a smile on your face? You love it. You love it when your team acts like this. He didn't bat an eye. He goes, oh, a lifelong learner. I love it when I see my team and the leaders around me understanding the context of the moment, making strong decisions and not backing down because they know it's the right thing to do. In my mind, I'm like, you got the right guy. I like this. This is good. Then I asked the other question, which to my opinion is just as important. All right, what ticks you off? What behavior when you see it drives you out of your mind crazy? You're just not happy. He didn't bat an eye again. He goes, arrogance. I can't stand it and there's no place for it around me. And so part of our dialogue every year when I sit down with him and he coaches me as a leader, he asks me the same question. And I know it's coming. I've grown used to it and I love it. He goes, what are you doing to guard in your heart? He said, you're talented. You do great things. Uh, what are you doing to guard in your heart to make sure that, that uh, you, you know, you're, giving, you're giving credit to God? And I always answer him in two ways. I said, Dr. Engel, I'm not wired that way. I said, uh, I said, I get it. My pride's fully intact. I said, I don't care about titles or anything else. Uh, I said, but the second thing is, and you know this, I said, I make an intentional habit to say thank you to everybody in every place that I go as much as I can. And he goes, no, you're right. I said, I look you in the eye every time you do good things for me. And I say, thank you. I noticed that. Thank you. For the people that work in my staff around me, I look them in the eye and say, thank you so much for that. Why? Because I want to be known as someone who is grateful. Because there's something trustworthy about someone who's not trying to steal all the credit. They're not trying to take everything. I live in a freedom that I don't need to take all of the credit. God will shine the light when he wants to shine the light. I'm free in my heart. I don't need to manipulate anybody. I don't need to be mean or rough with anybody. I can literally just live a life of saying thank you and gratitude. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Man, if you're driven like I am, job promotions, you like those. I'm never mad when someone, hey, we want to give you more money for doing the same job. Well, yes, of course you do. Thank you very much. <laughs> right? And so there's this balance of, man, how do I drive? How do I succeed? How do I move forward? But I never become egotistical. Gratitude sets you free from ego. Amen. Man, I really want you. Gratitude points us to goodness. Goodness always points us to number two. The voice of freedom is always marked by gratitude but it is grounded in love. You want to walk in freedom. You want to live a life of blessing, a life of abundance. 
then here's my challenge to you. Dig in and understand the depth and the richness of God's love for you and for me. The Bible says that it was love, not duty, not responsibility, not anything else. It was love that prompted him to offer his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He gave up his one and only son. My one and only son's in the room today and ain't none of you getting him. I love you. I wish I could say I'm more like Jesus, but he's my boy and I love him. And when I think of that verse, I always think, man, how would you give up your son? Love. Love pushed him to a place where he said, I'm going to offer the one and only sacrifice so that all of these, my creation, can be restored from the brokenness of sin, can be brought back to a place of wholeness, and they can be in relationship with me. They can have access to the creator of heaven and earth. Man, the voice of freedom is always grounded in love. Ephesians talks about, man, it was his, always his plan to restore us, redeem us, to bring us into relationship. But there's no place more powerful to me outside of John 3.16 than in Romans chapter 8. When you look in Romans chapter 8 and you hear the author talk about the power of God's love. See, here, here's why freedom cannot be attained without a firm understanding of God's love. Because it is in his love we find our greatest and truest value. It is in his love that we find the security, not a revolving door of acceptance, but he says, I am yours and you are mine. And I know you're going to mess it up. That's why I gave my son. I've given you grace. I've provided you the Holy Spirit to convict you. I have made provision for you to stay connected with me. You don't have to worry How much of our life is spent worrying about how people perceive us? Am I valuable? Did I do a good job? Was this good? And we look to our job. If you're like me, you look to your job. You look to your performance. If you're really like me, you probably uh, have toys, right? And sometimes your identity can be be found in your toys. Uh, and, and, And all of these things distract us when in the reality of it all, he simply says, you're my son, you're my daughter. My love is enough. So I want to read these words of Romans 8 over you. And we talk about this, how to live out freedom on a day-to-day basis. I mean, it's, man, cultivating this sense of gratitude is one thing. But really grabbing a hold of God's love for you, well, that's a game changer. Let's look. Romans chapter 8. We're going to start, I think, in verse 31. But I may get up here and change my mind. We'll see. Everybody okay? You good? I'm not going to stop either way, so it's, you're, you're with me. All right, here we go. Romans 8, 31 through 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine 
or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. Somebody, somebody right now, everybody just stop for a second. I'm about to read this over somebody in this room, and this is exactly what you needed to hear in your life today. And I'm not a prophet. I just know these words are that powerful, right? So let's go. I'm going to read these over us, and I just believe somebody's going to be set free, and you're going to tell me about it later. But here it is, verse uh, 37. Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any other powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are so firmly in the grip of the maker of heaven and earth that nothing can pry you out. No bad habit, no addiction, no way of messing up your marriage, no way of taking something that doesn't belong to you is going to position you in a place where God says, I'm out. I can't find it. I just read it over you. What it says to me is that he is the one who justified me. And no one can question him. And that the same God who gave his life is praying for me and making intercession in heaven right now. That same God is going, my love hasn't stopped. It's still going today. And you should have the attitude that you are more than a conqueror. Because nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And you say, man, well, how does that equate to freedom? The stress is off. I've already won. I can try things. I can lean into my giftings. I can go, God, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to do this because I think it's what you're calling me to do. And when I do that and it's not him, my heart's pure. Why? Because I don't live worried about being rejected. I don't need some boss to tell me you're valuable or you're not valuable. And I'm going to tell you right now, it took me years. I didn't realize it until the third pastor that I worked for, that the first two that I literally was hanging on every word they said to give me value of who I am as a man of God. And literally one day God said, are you going to follow me or are you going to follow man? Because you're whining because they're letting you down and humanity will always let you down. I am the only one that will not let you down. Imagine how that changes, yeah. Imagine how that changes how you view people. You don't need them now to provide you your sense of value. You can come whole. You can come complete. Dealing with these insecurities alone with God, going, man, I don't have to muscle up on anybody else to make me look good. God's already said I'm good looking. That's right. I'm already here. So what would your life look like? If you started to practice gratitude on a daily basis and you meant it, and it always pointed you back to God's goodness, and that goodness always led you to his love that puts a smile on your face because you go back to Romans and you go, I won. He's praying for me right now. He's interceding. I'm going to tell you right now, my father's the greatest prayer warrior I've ever met in my life, but I'll take Jesus over dad. Right? But I got both in my life. And maybe you could be that for somebody else. Maybe your prayers will be the ones that make someone realize, man, I am loved. I am valued. I've never, listen to me, this is never underestimate the power of an encouraging word. They will know us by our love for one another. And if we give our lives so rooted in God's love, 
that we're not mistreating one another. We're not trying to grab the spotlight. We're actually preferring one another above ourselves. Gosh, that sounds like scripture. Philippians. Man, the game changer for you and I to walk in freedom is to understand and live out the love of God made real in Christ Jesus. But gratitude leads to goodness. Goodness pushes you to love. But once you know that you're in and love is locked down, the third component that we find in the voice of freedom is my favorite. It's faith-filled. Faith begins to build inside of you. Why? We'll look at Scripture, and I'm going to point to what the... Let's go ahead and do it. Without faith, it's impossible to what? So the starting point with putting a grin on God's face is trusting him. Anybody in the room other than me have trust issues? Yeah, I'm not trust following with anybody. Yeah? You say, well, I thought this was a positive message. It is. But in my life, I've experienced great betrayal. And you know what? It never came outside of the church. Never had a pagan do me wrong. Imagine that. It's always been Christ, Christ followers. And so I developed this idea of like, hey, I'm going to keep you at a distance. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have an issue trusting. You know what that really is? That's a deception of the enemy to keep you from leaning into the family of God and realizing that he's already in control. And it limits your trust to God, not just man. And what I realized is that when love unlocked freedom for me, faith became easier because I can't control what you do, but I always have to give an account for how I handle myself. And so if I'm living a faith-filled life, I'm taking risks that are out of the ordinary. Uh, Psalm 118.5, I love how the author puts this. And listen, listen to, to, in this voice of freedom, listen to the author's confidence in God's presence. Psalm 118.5 says, In my anguish, I cried to the Lord, and he answered me by setting me free. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my, helpful, my helper. I will look in triumph over my enemy. True freedom increases our capacity to trust God. And when our faith is fully engaged, we become a more valuable or viable weapon or tool or uh, a voice that God can use in our kingdom. Fear limits us. Faith sets us free. Man, Paul said to Timothy, for God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of self-discipline. Son, you need to live up to how God created you. Young woman, your lady this morning, you need to live up with how God created you. He didn't put a spirit of fear in you to say, well, I would reach out, but I'm not sure how that's going to work. I would take a risk and give more, but I'm not sure how I can make that work. And God is saying, I didn't give you that spirit. I gave you a spirit that says full steam ahead, that you believe in me. It's of power and of love and of self-discipline. And when faith in engages, it changes our vision of how we see the future and how we handle problems. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you it's a reality. When fear is your motivator and you're uncertain of your value, gratitude is not coming off your lips. Worry and anxiety are coming off your lips. And so when you have this freedom that we're talking about, this dependence upon God, what did the author say? What can man do to me? God is with me. God is with me. Amen. There's the confidence of God's presence that releases the faith inside of us. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm not going to turn my back on you. 
I didn't call you this far to drop you off and say, good luck to you. I brought you to this place. Oftentimes, God takes us to crazy places because we forget to rely upon him. Amen? Amen. Uh, I'm going to close in just a second. But being at Southeastern, I come across some of the most amazing stories. And so I wanted to share one of those stories with you because I had heard about it on our campus. There's a young man who was born with a disability that was doing some things that I didn't think were possible. And you're going to see in just a second, you're going to hear his story. But it's not necessarily his story that blows me away. It's his attitude. It's the comments that he makes that someone born with such difficulty would have such a measure of faith. It made me reevaluate the things that stressed me out. And I kind of leaned in and go, well, wait a minute, God. How can I be worried about this when Carlos is dealing with this? And he's smashing it. Take a look at the story of one of our students named Carlos. It's pretty amazing. My name is Carlos. I was born in Guatemala. I'm 24 years old. I was born with no hands. Ever since I was little, I wanted to play music, and that's the thing that I have always asked God for ever since I was five years old. God, I want to serve you through music. I want to play in the worship band at church. And the instrument I wanted to play was the drums. How am I supposed to play drums with no hands? Am I supposed to grab it with my teeth? That would probably hurt a lot, so I'm not going to do that. So then I just started, started praying to God, God, I want to do it. I started praying from the age I was five until I was nine and no answer from God. So four years praying nonstop. And I, I, I got to the point where I was upset. I was like, God, you are so unfair. I want to serve you, yet I can't. So I prayed for four years and I, I got to the point where I told God, God, you are really unfair. You, uh, you see that I want to serve you and I can't. It's impossible for me. Yet I see all the people, all my friends with hands, with every, everything they need and they don't do anything for you. But the main thing is, the main thing that I feel that is the biggest part of my life is the fact that I can play piano with my feet. So how did I do that? I started playing piano with my feet because I was tired of living life with no hands. So I felt physically tired of living with no hands. So I, I, I felt like I wanted to go into my room and just start praising God to renew my strength. I wanted to worship God singing. So I asked God for the ability to play the piano and the obvious way to do it is with my feet and I heard how God put a thought in my mind and this was like why don't you try your feet and I just said God you know I do this not because I want to impress people I want to do this because I just want to worship you and I need to renew my strength hearing your presence in private in my room so please give me this ability to play the piano it was the the first day that God left me speechless because uh, when I saw the time, I had been playing already for two hours. And that's the day that my disability became the best gift that God has given me. My name is Carlos Lara, and this is my story. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's, it's just, that's just crazy to me. 
And I show that not to evoke some emotion. When I saw it, I was going, Lord, I'm sorry for ever whining about anything in my life. I'm a horrible individual. It's perspective. But listen to what he said. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I just want to be in your presence. People who are free know the value of God's presence. Oh, she pushed through the crowd that was squeezing her out. She had been sick for years, bleeding. And in her mind, she said, if I can simply touch him, I'll be whole. Man, some of you are in a spot in your life. You just need to touch him. You just need to be in God's presence and let his presence change the reality of your situation. Did you hear what that guy said? We didn't script it. We didn't tell him what to say. He said, God took the greatest, what, challenge of my life and turned it into the greatest gift? How ridiculous is that? That's faith. That's what faith does when you know God's presence. And so as we're landing the plane, I want to give you the final two movements that we see in Psalm 118 that talk about these marks of freedom. The voice of freedom is marked with gratitude. It's grounded in love. It's filled with faith, and it's reliant upon his help. Number four, it's reliant upon his help. I'll put it to you this way. A life that's free is quick to call upon the name of Jesus. Verses 10 through 12, the author outlines it. I'll read it. It's all the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They swarmed around me on every side. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but they died out as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. A life of freedom is a life where when we are faced with challenges, our first reaction is not to try to solve it ourselves and looking to God as the last resort, but rather he is our first reaction. But God, would you give me wisdom to handle the situation? God, would you give me uh, the grace and the favor? I can't tell you how many times before I walk into meetings because I'm, I've, God's put me in places. I'm going, hey, God, give me the words to say. Give me the wisdom. Give me the discernment in this, in this, in this opportunity, in this relationship. Because freedom is not independence. Freedom is dependence upon the Spirit of God to give me everything I don't have, to provide for me who I am not. That's the life I want to live. And the fifth element of this voice of freedom that I think could be a pattern for you and I on how we live our lives. Four is that we're quick to ask for his help, but the fifth one is we're even quicker to give him the credit. Psalm 118, 17 says this, I will not die. Here's that confidence again. But live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to ask you a question. How different would your life be if on a daily basis you said, man, I'm going to fill it with gratitude. I'm going to ground it in my identity and who Jesus says I am. I'm going to fill it with faith because I can trust God And his presence is always going to be there for me. Uh, And when I don't know, I'm going to be quick to ask him for his help. And when he helps me, I'm going to be the first one to go. That wasn't me, that was God. Doesn't that sound a lot like a very freeing life? Rather than a rat race of trying to figure it all out on your own. There's some of you that you're in the room today. I'm going to ask the band to come as we land the plane. I told you up front, I made... No bones about why I'm here and speaking today. To the church and to the followers of Jesus, I've seen far too many of us drift in and out of sanity. 
like the little kid kicking the front door open and trying to run away to a place that doesn't exist. We fail to lean into God for our freedom. And we live under the bondage of anxiety and stress and worry, trying to promote our own value. To you, church, I'm saying there's a different way to live. Faith isn't a moment to be experienced. It's a way of life that we learn how to live. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask some of you that if you said, man, Chris, that resonated with my heart, would you pray for me that I would be able to walk in freedom like never before? But before we get there, and then there's some people in this room. You're far from God. And if you're like I was when I was in that season of my life, you haven't been real happy with much of what I've said. You're dying for the service to be over. You've picked apart everything that could be wrong about it, and you're just ready to go. I remember times where my fingers would be grasped onto the pew going, just make it stop. I'm ready to leave now. Hey, just a heads up, that's called conviction. And that's the Holy Spirit letting you know that the life you're living is not the life that he called you to. Some of you, it's your day. So here's how we're going to handle it. I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads because if you start in the dark, you're going to stay in the dark. Why don't we just live out in the open? I just say, let's just, let's just ask Jesus into our heart if that's what you want. Here's how it works. If what I've described to you makes sense, more than that, you feel something in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit drawing you to God. No one comes under the Father except through him. If you're experiencing that, this is how it works. I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me. The Bible says this, that if we call upon the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. Amen. That if we believe in him, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all of our sins. That he'll change. The Bible says that all the old stuff will pass away. Some of you will be lucky and it'll pass away like that. Others of you will be like me. It'll be a process. But God's going to make you new. He's going to transform you. If you're interested in that life, I just want you to simply lift your hand up where you are. If you have not committed to follow Jesus and you say, Chris, this makes sense to me. I want to ask him into my heart. With everybody looking around, I want you to lift your hand. Yep. Anyone else? Yep. All right, you ready to pray? There are people in this room that just said, hey, I want to take the next step with God. I want to become a son and a daughter. I want to live free. Would you all join with me? Can we pray the, the, the prayer with them? Father, thank you for your love. I choose you today. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. I ask you into my life to be my Lord, to be my Savior. Help me walk in freedom. I want to know who you say I am. Father, I give you my life. Amen. The Bible says that you're a new crea creation, that you have been saved. And so here's what I know. As a friend and a coach, um, I've never done this journey alone. It's never been just me. I've always had men and women around me that have taken steps ahead of me 
that could say, hey, man, great decision. Here's some things that you need to put in your life. Here's how you can really be successful. Here's how you can really walk in freedom. And those people are standing down here. There's some people in the room today that want to pray with you, want to stand with you and go, man, we're celebrating with you. And so in just a moment, if you want to come down and talk with them, I would encourage you. If I were sitting where you were sitting, I would stand up from where I'm at. I would walk down and I would say, here's the decision that I made today. I want someone to pray with me again and I want you to walk with me in my journey of faith. But I want to talk to, to my, my church family, the extended family in the room. Your life's been marked with anxiety, worry, strife, and struggling. And the concept of living free sounds too good to be true. Well, let me just tell you it is. Apart from Jesus Christ, who makes it real. If the words that you heard today stirred your heart and you said, Chris, I need to walk in a different level of freedom. I need, to, I need to really cultivate this and be intentional. I believe that I haven't been living up to the fullness of what God's called me to live. If that's you, man, I just want you to stand to your feet where you are. Yep. 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 It's good. I love it. Anyone else, we're simply going to pray for you. I know it's awkward and it's weird and I'm making you stand in front of a bunch of people. Like I said, we don't live in the dark. God expects us to be light in a dark world. So here's what I say to those of you like me that stood. Anybody in this room judges you, they need to be at the altar before you. For we all have been where you are and will more than likely be back where you are before next week or next month. God will sustain you. God will answer your prayer. We're going to pray for you right now, and we're going to make it available. If you want to come down and have someone pray, once I close, man, you can make your way down here, and they're going to pray with you. The band will sing over you. But right now, would everybody else just join with me? We're going to pray for these folks that have stood. Father, you have not called us to live in bondage. You have called us to live in freedom. Lord, you've made a way for that to happen through the person and work of your Jesus, uh, your son Jesus. So, Lord, I speak life over my friends that have stood just now. And I say this to them, Lord, that their life be marked with gratitude as they always look to the goodness of their God. Lord, may you ground them in the love of Christ Jesus. Draw them to Romans 8, God. Let it be something they can't get away from to where their souls are strengthened by the reality that they are more than conquerors because you are praying for them. You have delivered them. Father, I pray that you would fill them with faith and that, Lord, when trouble comes, they would be quick to turn and ask for your help, but God, even quicker to say, God answered my prayer. Let me tell you about my God. Father, I pray for my friends and my family, those who just came to faith, those who are looking for a greater level of freedom. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Seal our hearts. Father, we love you and we thank you.